welcome everybody to our Life Unedited Working Women. And we have two fabulous guests today. I'm Elisa McCabe. I'm the owner at First Steps Financial and I'm the host. And each week we talk and laugh about all the things that affect boss women. And we, we love to laugh and cry and sometimes curse a little bit. And don't forget, this is recorded live and you're here with us. You can join us on Zoom as a participant and put questions in the chat box. And I'm so excited. Our guests today are the two women who are behind Voice First World. We have Genesis, Jennifer Rett, Rett, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rutley, nobody, Rettley, it's good. Rutley Thomas, yep. which is known as JRT. And we have Jen Valenia. Valenga? Valenga. Valenga. Oh, I yeah. made it a soft G. Sorry. Okay. I, I don't know why. I have like this Spanish Spanish pronunciation in my head. And <laughs> <laughs> so what um please tell us a little bit about your company and what you do and the amazing service that you provide for women so that they can be empowered to use their voice. At Voice First World, we help women speak with confidence mm -hmm. on audio, video, and live so that they can advance their careers. And we do not expect them to be perfect. So we're an online coaching company, and that's what we do. We work with women to mm. up-level their careers through public speaking. I love that. And I do have to say, I've seen your training, and I've seen the amazing detail that you go into and the support you provide. So- now you two weren't born doing this. How, where where did you start? And I and I know you both have different paths. So so JRT, let's start with you. How did you? Where did you start? And how did you end up here? Yes. Well, thank you. Thrilled to be here today. And I just want to point out, I follow Alyssa in the stance of we're always going to be the loud ones. So <laughs> if you have to take out your your earphones, I'm not offended. All right. So. Here's the great news. I'm like most individuals. I went to college on one path, graduated, went on a completely different path, and then ended up spending 15 years in the nonprofit world. So as I left my career in nonprofit, the development space, I was an associate vice president of development. Development's all about relationships. It's all about people. And the reason why I loved what I did was because, and, and especially, especially in my last role, I was able to help bring different people together to celebrate and steward donors. And my goal was to do it in a completely different way. It was how could individuals make a gift to this organization and think there's no other place that I could feel this good about that investment. And it was really that work that 2011, uh, a, a coworker of mine, a friend of Jen's brought us together and I remember the person walking in my office saying, Jenny, you don't ever like to do anything twice. You know, why don't you partner? Why don't we meet with the theater department? And I went, great. And two weeks later, Jen V and some of her staff were over in a room. We brought them on board for some events. And long story short, that relationship never ended. And so it was really a colleague that brought us together. And what we found in to make our story very short is we were working on a virtual event in a time where virtual events weren't really heard of mm. in the in the nonprofit space during COVID. I asked Jen again if she would come on board to help 
bring this virtual event to celebrate over a billion dollars in gifts and investments a reality? She said, yes. And we give credit every time to our story that there were uh, two men that were a video group that on August 10th, 2020 said to us, you two have something very unique. We work with companies all across the United States, very large companies. I don't need to mention their names. They're global companies. We've never seen two women work together like you do. And we literally then spent the next four months every Saturday in our same COVID bubble thinking about how do we take our passions and do a side gig. Let me just say that side gig, <laughs> come May of 2021, we looked at each other and went, holy cow, this has taken off. Are you in? And we both decided to put in our resignation on the same day at the same time to make this our full-time career. That was pretty scary. It, there moments, yes. And I, uh, well, but the beauty of it is that we were willing to take a risk and, and the fact that we were, we've never looked back and regretted it. And had we not, we would have regretted it, not knowing what if. So Gen V, you left a very prestigious career too, and, yes. and job security and a <laughs> steady paycheck. And you said, let's just chuck it to the wind. Girl. You know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so one of the interesting parts of that, so I've been a professor, I was tenured full professor, chair of my department. My God. Which is a big identity thing too. I mean, JRT can tell you it probably took me a while. I mean, I don't think I'm dealing with it quite as much now, but at least six months or so to kind of get over the identity of what I was. But I'll say I didn't start with that identity. I was an actor. I was worked in New York and Chicago. And, and at some point I realized people were asking me to direct. I wanted to direct. I went to back to school for um, grad school for directing. I thought I was going to go back to New York and do directing. And then I was in my mid-30s and someone said, you're a good teacher. I'd done that as a grad assistant. And they said, why don't you start looking at some faculty positions? And I went, oh, I might want to have a kid someday. So I mm. went right after grad school. I was in my mid-30s, as I said. I, I started oh, on oh. academic path. Um, but but so I would have been doing that since 2002 at different universities. That's a whole other long story. But <laughs> in 20 February of 2020, so think mm-hmm. about that in context of COVID, I started yeah. a podcast called Ditch Your plan, which is stories of rewarding careers between starving artist and celebrity. And the whole purpose was to get students to see that they could follow a career in the arts. They, they could, it's wow. not, especially, um, I'm in Kansas now. I, I was at Kansas state university. Previous to that, I was at the university of Miami in Florida, but in Kansas, the students often would come to us from these little cafetoriums, putting on a little, you know, school play with people who didn't No neighbors are in the arts. In New Jersey, New York, California, your neighbor, somebody down the street, they work in the entertainment industry. It doesn't happen so much in Kansas. So I wanted that podcast to really inspire students to follow a risky career path. But it's called Ditch Your Backup Plan. And I interviewed all these people in the middle of COVID, film screenwriters. One one is uh, a guy, Kui Gwen, who just was nominated for an Academy Award for Raya, the Disney, he's screenwriter. Oh, very cool. But I, lots of powerful women on that podcast as well, but they kept saying their story of risk and I'd ask about COVID and they're like, oh, you know, we're freelancers, things come and go, it'll be all right. And it's like, I don't think I'm taking enough risk. 
I just don't think I'm taking enough risks. So that was in the back of my head that I'd been an academic for 20 years. I had reached the high, pretty much the highest mm -hmm. ranks. I didn't want to go into deanship or anything. Yeah. And then Jenny and I, JRT and I have worked together a lot. Her on the operations side, me bringing stories <laughs> and creative ideas to life. And these two guys who truly said, you two have something fantastic. We're like, yeah, we feel like we do. We do. <laughs> we do. So we started talking and we came up with a thing. And now we do this thing full time. And, and the hardest, Elisa, the very hardest. Okay, we've, we've only been in it not even quite a year, really. The hardest part was the night before I gave my resignation. That was the very hard. For me, I don't know if it was the same for JRT. For me, it was like hyperventilating, going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to walk away from this thing that I've done. That uh, a, a lifetime job, tenure, yeah. lifetime, benefits, decent retirement contribution, an identity of a professor and an academic and all of that, and a director. I, I really, in essence, gave up theater. Not the training or all of the things that I know from being a stage director, but I gave that up and uh, it's the best thing I've ever done. Wow. That it, it I, I don't think people realize what you go through when you do become an entrepreneur. It, it mm -hmm. really is. It is a frightening moment to stand at the edge mm -hmm. of that cliff mm -hmm. and to take that leap and know you're going to be okay. Yes. That's, oh my God. All right. So what made you decide to like empower women? I mean, you guys could have done anything with your backgrounds. You could have coached anyone. I mean, really, you two could just start like a podcast or a TV show or you could have done anything. Like, All right, Jen, you go first. You go first. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to. Well, we did start a podcast. It's called Speak With Presence. So there's that. Um <laughs> We, well, I mean, in the pandemic, and we're part of the great resignation. I think we resigned on June 1st and great resignation was coined right around the same time. And we we're like, hey, we're part of that. We're part of the great resignation or the great reshuffle or whatever you want to call it. But I think the decision to work with women was because of some of the bias that we had seen against, that we, that we faced as women in our positions there were many stories of bias and things that got under our skin about how women were treated in the workplace and we wanted to be part of the solution. And I mm. think as the world started to see that women were behind with the pandemic, we said, mm -hmm. how can we help them move forward, get past some of that? And we very decidedly said, we're working with women. We could work with men and we still have people almost every week say, why aren't you doing this for men? It's like, mm -hmm. Well, we have we have a, a mission to get more women into higher levels of leadership and influence. So that's oh, what we're doing. Amen, sister. Uh, just FYI, Mindy Richardson, just put in uh, your social links in the chat. So if anybody wants to check them out, um, JRT, what's, what's your, your, what was your impetus to get into this, to just focus on women? Well, I think uh, I'm going to build on what Jen just said. I think for me, Beyond that, Jen and I were both in leadership positions, have always had a passion for leadership and wanting to help women be successful <clears throat> in whatever position of life that they're in. It really became apparent to me during, and I'm going to say between when COVID started and, and going into that fall, our first year, I was sitting on some pretty significant interview panels <clears throat> for where I um, worked and a university partner with Jen very significant positions. And honestly, 
even though Zoom and these things were all around and yeah, we did video conferencing, you know, we were all of a sudden now saying, we're going to hire a dean. We're going to hire a senior vice president. We're going to hire, you know, president, provost, all these things. And you're only going to see them via Zoom, right? I don't get to interact. I don't, I don't get to sit down over dinner. I don't get to feel the energy necessarily. And so I went into these interview panels and I remember calling Jen after the first set of them. And I went, and, and again, this was, I would say we were just sitting in my basement on Saturdays, right? <laughs> I mean, this is pretty riveting. And I said, oh my gosh, we already had a gap going into COVID. The gap is just, and it's going to blow up. And again, there's no, there's no research at this point, right? Cause we're living it. Yeah. And I just felt bad. I felt bad that the the women were incredibly talented. They were coming from universities, prominent positions, but they were lacking the confidence. Wow. They were not ready for the Zoom environment and how they could interact mm-hmm. to be their authentic self and show the the leadership skill set that they had. Wow. And I said, Jen, how do we, how can this be part of our, how can we help? Right. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's one thing as women that we can complain about it. We can say there's something wrong and, you know, go stand by the coffee pot and complain, complain, or you can actually take action. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed to have met Jen in 2011 and to build a, a professional career and also then a personal relationship with her to be able to say, you have that gift. That's what you do each and every day with students, professional actors, and you've coached many other people, even in our work together. How do we make that become a reality? And the good news is, is for people that don't know us, you cannot get any more opposite than us. So not that that was intended that way, but it is kind of nice because she is the professional coach. And that's what I, as we talk, she's the expert. I'm kind of the operation sales um, you guys getting the opportunity to visit with people and you couldn't ask for a better relationship. Yeah. You're the yin and the yang. We're the yin and the yang. Yeah. We're the mutt and the Jeff and most days on mutt. (laughs) I mean, I just can't, I can't even believe Elisa that she likes to do some of the things I'll be like, who's going to do this thing? And she's like, me, me, me. I want to do it. And I'm like, really good. Take that crap. I don't want to do it. I know. Alyssa and I can talk tags and quick. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Look, honey, you're talking to a whole team of accounting nerds and that's, we could go all day. I couldn't. I'll go. I, I'm. I'm gonna. We lost Jen a couple of minutes yeah, ago. No, she just. I saw her eyes glaze over. Yes, I did. <laughs> I love JRT that you saw that need and you saw while you're interviewing these people and realizing that women not. It wasn't because they weren't qualified. It was because they couldn't show. Mm-mm. They couldn't present themselves in a manner that showed they were qualified. That is very cool. Um, so I. I have to ask. Is there anyone in your past or someone even now that has shaped your idea of how women are in the workplace? So for example, you know, my mom and dad both shaped how I thought of women in the workplace. My dad was always like, you can do everything because I was a child of the eighties and, you know, we were going to have it all. Um, But, you know, it really did influence me because I just thought I could do everything. I never thought any differently. Is there someone in your lives that really influenced you and how you thought of women, good or bad? You know, sometimes we get the message like, oh, little lady, you should be home with the kids. And, or sometimes we're empowered to move mountains. 
Gen V, what is there someone in your life that? Yeah, JRT knows what I'm going to say on this. First, I'll I'll agree with you that 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 Gen Z, you know, not Gen Z, Gen X. That we Gen Xers were told we could do everything. My parents were always very supportive. You don't go into theater as a career if you're, yeah. <laughs> or you often do actually, but you have to overcome that. So, my mom is one of the smartest people that I know, mm-hmm. and she went back and got her grad she she was she was a working woman in the 60s and 70s but the way that you could be back then she got a college degree her dad wanted her to be an engineer she really wanted to go into the humanities and and psychology um but anyway she 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 took a various number of jobs in washington dc in the 60s and 70s got married had kids then went back when i was a kid to get her master's degree in counseling did some work with women in different group settings and then at the age of 50 or maybe even 51 now i'll just say i'm 52 so give some context to this (laughs) she went back and got her phd from the university of virginia and she started an academic career in counseling and psychology so she could do private practice but she was mostly an academic and from the age of 50 until really just last year <laughs> she was still teaching she was the chair of Johns Hopkins counselor education program the chair at Johns Hopkins wow. University and she didn't start that until she was 50 and she's oh a God. great supporter when i go like ah what have we done we took a big risk she's just like started. no one who takes no one who ever did anything important did it without taking a risk you're fine so for me, it's both of my parents, but especially wow. my mom, who really started the bulk of her career when she was 50. I love that. That's so inspirational because sometimes people are like, oh, well, I'm over 50. What am I going to do? Like, I can't start a whole new thing. You have a whole life ahead of you. That is so inspiring. JRT, who in your life? Well, I'll go, <clears throat> excuse me, get all choked up here after that one. <laughs> <clears throat> You know, mine is, I feel like I'm given the traditional answer, but Jen will appreciate this. You know, my inspiration, yes, was both my mom and my dad. And the reason for that was, is I am an only child. Parents wanted more. I'm an only child. (laughs) (laughs) And honest to Pete's, it wasn't until my middle school or high school years, I never saw a difference in gender because I was my dad's son. So I was doing... Uh, running large equipment. I was, I was helping my dad pull motors. We were rebuilding rear ends. Like I, I, that's what I did. And then I was my mom's daughter, right? Like I knew how to do the household, but as a family, I never felt like my parents' work was segregated. Hmm. I always saw it as if, if, if the work needed to be outside doing something as a family, we did that. Like my, my mom had no problem being a part of that. If there was something in the house that needed to be done, you know, we would, we did that. Um, but it, it came to middle school and high school when all of a sudden, even though I, <clears throat> my dad is a tough cookie <laughs> and I had his personality a firm negotiating strong personality. And I just started getting knocked down. Um, and I just couldn't understand it because I was like, what I've been, I'm a boy and a girl. I don't mean it that way. Right. Like I never saw the difference. Mm -hmm. And so still to this day, my inspiration is my parents just because they taught me I could be whoever I want to be. Um, and I was never held back because of my gender. It was based on my desires and my wants. Um, and to this day, 
many hours I'd much rather be out in the garage with my dad. And then I love to go do things with my mom. And sometimes we're doing them all together, right? It cool. never felt so I I'm very that. grateful to this day for them and modeling the way. That's really cool. I JRT can make you a mean banana bread and then go out and change your oil. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I I love that. I love that your dad had no problem having a girl and doing these things that you know, when we were kids might have been typically and I, I actually think that empowers women more. Yeah. My dad did that too. My dad right? to worked on cars and he's like, you need to know everything on a car. Yep. Like change a tire, change the oil, like all those things. That's really interesting. And <laughs> my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she's like, okay, she did all the bills. And that's how yeah. I got into, I love, had a love of accounting oh. because she would be like, let's pay the bills. Let's write the checks. And I, I thought that was like the coolest thing. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's awesome. Here's what happens. I'm just going to say this. I bet you, I don't know about you, but when we moved in to our neighborhood, my husband went around to the neighbors and said, I just want to warn you all. I'm not lazy, but my wife will mow the yard. She'll be the one that's underneath the vehicle. It's her choice. She loves it. I'm not arguing. (laughs) No. And I loved him for that. I mean, but I mean, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Let's, let's stop this. Yes. Thank you. This thing that it just needs to be my husband that's out underneath a car. I know. No, no, it can be any one of us women and, and more power to us. And it's funny because, um, you know, we were discussing this article that I found in diversity woman, uh, at diversitywomen.com. And it was about speaking up and having women not Mm -hmm. apologize. And it's so interesting because I know even on my team, if I find an error in some, in, in, you know, somebody's books and I go back to someone on my team and I say like, Hey, there was a problem here. They're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't apologize. You don't need to. It's okay. It, it just say, how's how, you know, I hear you. Thanks for telling me this is how it's not going to happen again. You don't have to apologize. And one of the, there was a, a quote in the article. It said, Women are often less assertive than men in the workplace and tend to apologize or minimize the importance of what they say when they do speak up, even female executives in meetings with their peers, but being on the defensive appears as a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. And I, I see this all the time when we're in a group and, and a woman says, well, I think instead of saying from my experience, mm-hmm. which is such a stronger point, uh, you know, you can tell us like what tips you give women. Do you, you must give them phrases or something that will help them. Gen V, is there something that yeah. in your coaching where you help women overcome this? Yes. And the, it is the choice of vocabulary and it's the mm. way it's, it's what you say and how you say it and what we see at all levels. And we, we thought starting our business that we were going to be capturing a sort of mid-level professional and we do. But we've been surprised that we've had many more VPs, presidents, CEO, mm. law firm partners in our program than than we we ever thought. And you think they've already made it to the highest level, but they understand there's something about what they're doing that could be adjusted to make them even stronger. And what we see is that they use many women use vocabulary like help and hope kinds of words and Mm. grateful words. So I hope to be able to, 
or I helped on a project where, or the team. Now I love when you share, I, I'm a collaborator, that's what we do in theater, but you wanna share the contributions of a team. Mm -hmm. However, that when you have truly led something, you need to say, I led a team to do this. And I think women are, are careful not to take the credit. Mm -hmm. And so eliminating some of those things, like I helped with this, I hope to do that. I'm grateful. I was lucky for the opportunity. Just listen to men. They don't typically say that. They don't use that kind of language. Mm -hmm. They say, I led, I, it's not, I assisted. I led a team. I mm -hmm. organized, I created, not organized. I created something. I led mm -hmm. it. I um, designed, created, however you want to mm -hmm. say as the initial creator or instigator of a project. So there's that. And then I have a something I call phrases for authority, which I created initially for a politician I was working with who needed to answer questions quickly on the fly. And wow. I, my goal was to get her muscle memory, her mouth around certain phrases that she could start with that would replace a stutter of an um or an uh or thank you for that question, which is like, don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. <laughs> I mean, you're there to answer questions. Don't say, thank you for that question. It's this gratefulness language. Not That's that I don't think you, you should be grateful, but not necessarily not in like that, that way. Yeah. So it's getting your muscle memory around things like who, mm -hmm. what, where, when, how, and why. Saying things like how we came to that decision in that moment mm -hmm. was, you know, or what we see when we're talking about, these are all filler phrases that can help you think a little bit until you get to the next <laughs> phrase, but they're, they're more powerful than, um, uh, so well, but oh, yeah. And we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of the, um, oh. all right, JRT, what, you know, is there, uh, is there something that you, you've seen in women or, or something that, you know, actually some phrases that you have replaced in your own. <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't have enough hours. In the day. <laughs> I mean, anybody that's listened to us at all will know that I have my own JRT Webster dictionary. I, there will be, there will be a time when it is published. I have my own language. All right. So we're not, we're not going there, but <laughs> oof, I, I just want to build on something that Jen said, and I see her do all the time with our clients is the number of times when we are interviewing for a position, we're doing the cover letter that we're using the language that Jen just was referencing mm. that we're saying, I hope I think and I've seen Jen, you know, with her expertise and background in storytelling and really allowing women to shine, that it can sometimes be just the change of a word or two that keeps you from ever being called back or ever being called for an interview. Because a cover letter, Jen, you correct me as you, you're working in the space with the one-on-one -on -one coaching, is the cover letter holds more weight. That's what we're looking at first. And mm -hmm. how you represent yourself with confidence can be found in the words that you choose. Wow. Jen, do you have anything else to add there? That one thing at a time, women tend to go, well, if this happens and that happens and I get the job and they think that, no, your <laughs> job with the cover letter is to get an initial interview. That's it. Don't think about anything else. 
you don't have to decide where you're going to move to this next location. You Do not start looking start, for real estate. Don't start thinking <laughs> what school your kid is going to go to. No. Just stop that. Yeah. Your job with the cover letter is to do the best you can to share your expertise, and we're all expert at something, through the words that you use. It's a word-based resume. And let me say, if you don't know this, there's so much AI out there anymore, which is partly mm -hmm. why we called ourselves Voice First World, because Voice First is the technology of voice to intelligence. Anyway, there's AI that a lot of companies, especially if they're big, they'll run that cover letter through a, a thing that looks for, did you, did the cover letter say the things in the ad? Mm -hmm. That's just easy. That's a, that's a puzzle. You say, they asked for this. I'm going to say how I did that. They asked for that. I'm going to say how I did that. Not go, well, I only did that one time. You did it. You're an expert. <laughs> say what you did. Don't judge yeah. or decide for them. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really about being very clear about your expertise in the resume, not being humble, and also not being braggy. There's <sighs> there's so many men who say things like, I'm the best in the galaxy. And you go like, really? really? I don't think so. <laughs> but really being clear on that resume and then not taking it any further. Then when you get the interview, then you can work on the next step. But there's a lot of rabbit holes to go down. <sighs> Uh, well, I, you know, one of the things that I really am coming away with is that it depends on the vocabulary that you use, how you're perceived. And I, I love that. Um, so is, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to speak proficiently and effectively? What's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way is to go to our website, voicefirstworld.com. And if you want to go a little further, do forward slash links, and that will give you everything. A free masterclass you can take that gives you a link to our podcast, a place to schedule a call. When we work with women in our program, we vet them. We, we make sure they're a good fit. If I can't help mm -hmm. them, I'm not going to work with them. We don't have a $27 ebook out there. We're not internet marketers. I'm a professor, <laughs> former professor and stage director. So we want to make sure that if we work with someone that we can get them the help that they need. And if we can't, we'll suggest that they go to someone else. Anyway, the point is we've got calendar link there to see if it's a good fit for us to work together. Free masterclass, podcast, what else? All the places, if you're, social media. If you're a woman, <laughs> we... <laughs> Criteria. <laughs> if you're a woman, we have a private Facebook group called Powerful Women Speakers. And you can find a link to that also at that links website. Yep. Awesome. links. Thank you both so much for being here this week. I really appreciate it. And your perspective is amazing. And it's so very thought-provoking. I want to thank our producer, Smart Boss Media, and be sure to check out their webpage at smartboss.media. Um, and you can leave a you can leave a comment on Facebook or Instagram. And thank you for everybody for listening and responding to this episode. We love having you in our community. And if you haven't already, register for the live webinar and spend your lunch break with us every Thursday. Great seeing everybody. See you next week. Our guest next week is Stephanie Bruno, who's a vice president of uh, vice president at wealth and wealth manager at Boston 128 Companies. So we'll see everybody next time. Thanks for listening to Life Unedited, Working Women, a production of Smart Boss Media. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd like even more to help your business grow. If you have any questions or want to contact any of the folks on this podcast, you can just email us at info at smartboss.com.
smartboss.media. Also at smartboss.media, you'll find any resources and links that go along with this podcast. And you can find links to other podcasts and resources for entrepreneurs and learn how Smart Boss Media can help you get your business podcast launched and listened to like this one is. It's your one stop for information to help you listen, create, and thrive as an entrepreneur. Visit smartboss.media.